Hello and welcome to another episode of the Livius Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf. Today I have a returning guest, my friend and co-worker, Christy Davin. How are you doing, Christy? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for being on the podcast again. It is my pleasure. So today I wanted to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I know from our previous conversations that you have very strong feelings about this topic as well, and that's uh, why college is still valuable. And the reason why it matters so much to me is more and more I'm hearing uh, in popular culture, uh, from pundits on television and in newspapers, uh, that they're questioning the value of college for the average student. This whole myth that millennials are uh, struggling and therefore college was bad for them or that some people are successful despite not going to college, etc., etc. And I think all of that chatter misses the point entirely. And so I wanted to talk with you about this and get your thoughts on it as well. Great. So one of the things that really uh, bothers me about all of this, you know, value of college, uh, and again, there's plenty of numbers that are going to back me up. Uh, You can look this up at so many different sources. It's easy to find, you know, hit that Google and, and look it up, that college graduates over the lifespan of their working life make significantly more money and are more financially stable than folks who don't graduate from college on average. Uh, and so I, I, that's not what I want to talk about today. I really want to talk about uh, the college experience and why the college experience matters. And I know that there's some stuff that you want to talk about too, but I just want to go back to to my experience and kind of connect that to why I think this is so useful for so many different people. Um, you know, so when I was a, a kid growing up and I was in high school, um, I grew up in a two-parent household and I had a mom who my mother worked but was mostly a stay-at-home mom who did all of that sort of stereotypical uh, mom stuff, cooking, cleaning, managing the household. Well, my dad, who was a lawyer, spent large swaths of the day outside of the home uh, at his workplace, which happened to be the county courthouses of the local counties in New Jersey. And so that was very, like, 1950s-style stereotypical upbringing that I had, um, not in the 1950s. Um, And... One of the things that I think was a disservice that my mother did for me was she did, and again, it sounds like I'm complaining about this, and at the time I was thrilled, but she did all my laundry, cooked all my meals for me, um, cleaned my room for me, like did all this stuff that she felt was her responsibility, and I didn't do any of it, and I can't imagine going out into the world, getting a job, and then having to fend for myself (laughs) right after high school because I would have ended up in a ditch uh, somewhere crying into the mud. Um, I feel very lucky that I had my freshman year of college to figure that out, to figure out how to feed myself, what a balanced meal is without someone ordering food for me, (laughs) how to do my own laundry. I mean, that was an extremely powerful moment in my life, Uh, two to three weeks into my freshman year of college, pulling out my clothes, trying to pull out my clothes for the next day and realizing my my dresser drawers were empty. Because that never happened at home. Because that never happened at home and looking down and saying my my laundry basket was overflowing and I was like, oh, 
I don't have any clothes for tomorrow. What do I do now? And it's 11 o'clock at night. And so for the next several hours, I grabbed a roll of quarters and 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 basically hung out in the laundry room on, on my floor in my dorm and figured out how to do laundry. Figured out, you know, that you, you shouldn't mix colors and, 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 and tidy whities and So did you wear a lot of pink? Actually, no, I figured it out. I did not All wear right. pink. I managed to, to figure it out. Um, how to operate the machine, like things like how much, how much uh, soap you should have. acquiring soap. Like I didn't own laundry <laughs> soap. I had to figure out how to acquire it at midnight. Um, you know, and and how to get all this together and figure out how to do laundry at, at one in the morning. Um, so I think that's a valuable experience where. And again, this isn't about the classes. Like, notice how I'm not talking about the classes yet. And and, and I, I do believe an education is the primary goal of college. But I've always felt that college is kind of like the on ramp to adulthood. Mm-hmm. It's this laboratory where 17, 18, 19 plus year old adult kids can experiment with adulthood and and learn about this in a in what is relatively a low consequence environment. Uh, because you're not going to lose your apartment, you know. You're, if you you're don't, you're not going to end up in a ditch. You're not going to end up in a ditch. Like you have a dorm room that's, you know, whether your parents paid for it or financially paid for it, paid for it or your scholarships paid for it or whatever, it's paid for. You've got this place to live, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's, it's it's a lot of kids grow up sharing a room with a sibling, but a lot of kids don't. And now you have a roommate most of the time. So there's a lot of this stuff that's, I think, such a powerful experience that. College allows you to, to have this experience that I think it, it, it does people a disservice if they don't do this. Well, I totally agree. Um, I have the sort of the same experience. When when I was young, my mother did make me do my own laundry, <laughs> did make myself make, get myself out of bed. She was still in bed when I would go to school in the morning. Huh. Um, you know, I have teenagers, and I'm and we're still struggling with the get yourself up, get yourself washed, get yourself fed, right. and get yourself out the door before the bus comes. Um, yeah. And then, of course, there's the magical, did you remember to pack something to eat, or are you just yeah. going to starve that day? <laughs> um, yeah. So there is a there's a balance, because there are so many things going on in high school that kids need to focus on, while mm-hmm. still taking those developmental steps, learning how to, um, if there's no food in the house... Where do you find some food? Right. If there's no clean underwear in the drawer, where do you get some clean underwear? And my yes. college my college boyfriend had no idea. He was exactly <laughs> like you. He's like, I don't where's the machine and how do you put the cord and where's the soap? And so I taught my high school excuse me, my college boyfriend how to do his laundry. And how to use a typewriter, because back in the day it was a word processor right. or a typewriter. Well, at um, least I had that down. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if his mom had been typing his papers oh, for him as well. Oh, no. So, See, you actually mentioned that, that um, because my, uh, that really triggered a memory for me, because my dad was a lawyer and when court let out, uh, he didn't get home till 6.30, almost 7 o'clock at night. And so we ate dinner at 7 p.m. And... I knew several of the families where that was true as well, but I didn't realize that was that unusual, although I've since discovered that it is. Most families eat between four and six, from what I've discovered. Uh, I'm not sure how they pull that off, but most families tend to, from what I understand. Uh, when I went to college freshman year, um, I first day of college, I got my dorm room. I brought all my stuff up. My parents wished me well. They went home, and I, I met my roommates, and uh, I you know roll on down to the cafeteria to the... Um, 
to the cafeteria at 7 p.m. like I'm ready for dinner and they close at 6.45. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So my first night at college, I fished out the $10 my dad handed me and, you know, went to a payphone. Yes, I'm old. Went to a payphone and called for a pizza from the local like delivery place that would come to uh, campus. And so my first night in college, I, I ordered a pizza because I missed dinner. So. And breakfast, if you, um, I remember <laughs> Saturday mornings, of course, 1230 in the uh, PM is still morning yeah. in college. And the cafeteria where I went uh, closed at 635. So my roommate and I were always running across the quad at 632 to get in before they closed the cafeteria so that we could not starve that day or spend the $10 that we had. Yeah, weekends are always tough when it comes to food. Uh, I remember when I was at Brandeis, uh, especially Brandeis has, has unique issues because the cafeteria, you have to sign up for either the regular cafeterias or the kosher cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm a particularly religious person or uh, particularly observant, uh, but I signed up for the kosher cafeteria because it was well known at the time uh, that the kosher cafeteria had better food. Okay. Because it was a smaller population. And so the kosher cafeteria only had uh, one meal on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and that was dinner uh, because it's against the rules to work on Saturdays and you can't pay other people to work on Saturdays. So the cafeteria was basically like they left out some cereal. And there was a fridge with milk in it and some other stuff uh, on Friday afternoon. And it was just there. For, so when you came in on Saturday, it was there. But there was there was no full service until Saturday night. And so Saturdays are always a challenge because you're like, well, I have, I have to save up cash so I can go off campus and eat <laughs> because there's no food. I mean, I can just get a bowl of cereal in the morning, but that's not going to last all day. And by lunchtime, there was no food at the kosher cafeterias on Saturdays. So it was things like that that, were, that are just like mind-boggling about... Figuring out how to fend for yourself, how to feed yourself, as you say. Yeah, because most most of the time when you're living with your family, um, whether it's your parents, your grandparents, or whomever, they they have sort of regimented mealtime for you. <laughs> yes. There's, there's breakfast food available at breakfast time. There's right. lunch food. And whether or not they cook it for you or right. it's there for you to cook, it is available and not something that you need to... I mean, my own, my own children are, are 10 and 12 now, and... At this point, on school days, neither my wife nor I prepare breakfast for our children. Uh, it's, it's been years and years of teaching them how to pour a bowl of cereal and get some milk and get a spoon and, and make that happen. Mm-hmm. Or get a, uh, a, a, a Greek yogurt and a spoon out of the fridge, make toast, how to open a banana... Like years of that of just you know how to do this you can do it. encouraging them mm-hmm. you can do it and now we finally gotten into the place where they can prepare their own breakfast um, and so that that's been like a major victory this year it's, I feel really like it's it's working fine well and you you started at a good age because then when they get to the point where mine yeah. are it's it'll just be it'll be habit right um, one of the other things if we're done about food one of the other things that at college and I don't know if it's the same now is mm. I had my own phone bill to pay. Well, I mean, I think the, I did too. I did too. And in fact, I had a, a major crisis freshman year of college because I had the phone and I had uh, two roommates. Mm-hmm. We had a triple, which was a horrible experience. And one of my roommates um, 
ran up a $200 phone bill calling his girlfriend and his other girlfriend and his other girlfriend oh. and his other girlfriend and his other girlfriend. That's an episode for another day. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was it was tragic. It was a $200 phone bill, and I'm like... And it's your phone. It was my phone, and my name, I'm like, you have to pay. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about, but here's a check. That's literally what I don't know what you're talking about. I only have one girlfriend. Here's your check. And so, okay. So that was a hassle, and I actually uh, left that unnatural triple to go to, uh, to go uh, get another, because I didn't want to be in that room with these two guys anymore. Mm-hmm. So I went to another room and I brought my phone and I basically traded phone access for TV access with that guy. Right. Nowadays, I don't even know if dorm rooms have phones anymore. Because everybody's got to sell. Because everybody's got to sell. I mean, uh, so I, I just imagine that on the one hand, I have to imagine that my kids are still going to be on my Verizon family plan mm-hmm. when they're going to college because... You know, not that they have phones yet, but we're getting there. They're 10 and 12, you know, they're my younger one's going to start middle school next year. My older one is in the middle of middle school. Uh, they're off doing clubs and activities. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's 10,000 doors in that building, exits. And so, you know, figuring out a place to meet them after after they finish, you know, running club or newspaper club or, or art club or, you know, when they're done with their Girl Scout meeting. I, I kind of want them to have a phone now, even mm-hmm. though I think it's weird. But once I get them their phones, um, and it'll probably be our, my, old, my wife and mine, our old phones while we get new phones, um, I imagine eventually they'll get newer phones later and then they'll go off to college and also be paying for their phones at least through college. So I don't think that, that is a problem, but I, I imagine there's plenty of students who either do pay-as-you-go phones or pay for their own. Well, and, and I guess my point is, you know, back in the dark ages when we went to college and you had a plug-in phone in the wall and you had to bring the device and you yeah. had to have it set up and you had a PIN number and you got a bill from the college, um, we didn't, you know, it was still when TV came out of the air, too, and yeah. you had a, um, an antenna mm-hmm. and you didn't pay for cable and there was no right. such thing as Wi-Fi, so... That's, well, there, uh, yes, um, so my, my point is... Sorry, the teacher in me wanted to, wanted to interrupt Christy and, and remind her that the actor, uh, famous actor Hedy Lamarr invented Wi-Fi during World War II, but it wasn't publicly available until 1998, after we'd both gone to college. I apologize for this nerd interruption. <laughs> I just couldn't help myself. And yes, yes, I both mansplained and well actually her. So I apologize to everyone. That was awful of me. Okay. Okay. So, moving on. Um, the point I, I believe one of the other things that was helpful to me in college was to finally have a, a sort of a, a break in, a, a gentle um, break into mm-hmm. paying your own bills. Right. You didn't pay it. They turned your phone off. Right. My and, phone bill was my first bill I ever paid. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, most people don't have a car payment, but then at that point, you know, yeah. especially. Um, if you're if you're lucky enough to go to a school, I went to Denison. You went to Brandeis. Those families may have had a, an extra car. If you took a car to campus, you, right. you didn't have a car payment on that. Well, and many colleges do not allow freshmen to bring col- cars right. on campus, even right. to this day. So the the financial structure of that, or even my mother gave me a small monthly stipend, some mm-hmm. spending cash every month. I yeah. was again lucky; I didn't have to take a job on campus right. or otherwise for my own spending cash. But it was a small amount of money, right? Um, even for those dollars, those days dollars, it was enough to buy a pizza here and there. Yeah. It was enough to you know go to the grocery store um, and get some snacks to keep in the room. And again, if you're on the meal plan and 
you know, you don't have to pay the, the electric bill. You know, a lot of schools these days, they have Wi-Fi. You don't have to pay a cable bill, even mm-hmm. if there is cable. Like, th- there's a lot of the bills that you're eventually going to have that you don't have to pay. So a small amount of spending cash can take you a long way. I mean, I follow one blogger and um, podcaster who talks about how the college campus that he was on, he went to Drexel University in Philadelphia, and there was one ATM which gave out $10 bills instead of 20s and he that was his favorite one because when he only had like $11 in his account and he needed pizza he could get a $10 bill out of the machine and manage his money until the next time he got money from his parents or from his work study Mm -hmm. job and I mean that's the things you do in college you learn how to manage money because that's it that's all you have right and it's harder now because it's all so abstract you know, to be right. able to know instead of you know that you've got eleven dollars and thirty seven cents <laughs> in a yeah. jar on your desk is a lot easier to manage right. um, than it is now when everything is on you know accessed through a card or a chip in your watch or what have you. Yeah, the other big thing for me that I think is so important about college is the social aspect mm-hmm. of it. I mean, look. Again, I'm going to say this. I think the most important thing of college is the education you're going to receive, the classes you're going to take, how you're going to set yourself up for success. But I'm not talking about that because the point for me is why go to college and live on campus rather than just get an online degree, which some people are doing. And that's great. Live at home, get the online degree, or go to work immediately and get an online degree. And you can do that. And I support that. that that's the right path for many people. But if you can go and live on campus, if you can go to college and live there for four years, there's so many things that are beyond just the classes that you're going to get. So we've talked about the, the food aspect and the, and the fending for yourself aspect and the, um, you know, the, the, the financial and, and p- bill paying aspect. For me also, a huge factor is the social aspect. High school, I once read something where someone described you know, your, your, public, your local public school system as an accident of birth. The people you hang out with, the friends you make in elementary, middle, or high school are your friends because they're your neighbors, because you grew up near them and you have experiences in common, but you might not have interests in common. The thing about college that I found so amazing and fascinating was uh, self-selecting groups, social groups built on shared interest. You know, the friends that I have now who were my friends in college were my friends because we belonged to the nerdy sci-fi club. They were my friends because we were in the school plays and, and the musicals together. They were my friends because we were in the same social action uh, organizations uh, and protested the same things and marched in the same marches and those sorts of things. They're my friends now. The friends I went... The friends with whom I was friends in, in grade school, middle school, and high school, they're not necessarily still my friends. And the people that I communicate with and spend time with, whether in person or on, on the internet, like Facebook, that are people I grew up with, weren't necessarily my friends in high school. And we get along more now because of, again, shared interests, mm-hmm. whether it's social, political, or otherwise. For me, it was not uh, my best friend, um, who is couldn't could almost not be further apart and still maintain and still be in the same country. I live in Massachusetts; she lives in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I met her on the third day of freshman year, and it had nothing to do with shared interests. She was just she had met my roommate in a class. They came to lunch together. I sat with them. We met. Um, so some of it is the luck of geography still, mm-hmm. um, but I agree with you because college you have more of a control. And it's a it's a larger it's still a microcosm but it's a larger microcosm so you're right. in a, you're in a bigger fishbowl 
and you have a little bit more control over where you spend your time and the same people who have the same interests and are and are you know studying the same things mm -hmm. will more likely be the people that you see over and over again even on the right. bigger campuses right i mean there are people that i can communicate with there there folks <laughs> i can meet up with in person or or you know, communicate with on the internet, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and there are still references. There are still moments like a group of us hanging out in the green room in the theater building and just reciting the lines to the Princess Bride, you know, just for fun. Mm -hmm. And those moments, like, those are shared moments that we still talk about. And that's what college is really about for me, is, like, finding each other finding each other. And then again, my social experience is very different from some other folks. Um, one of the reasons why I chose Brandeis over other schools was because there were no sororities and fraternities allowed, no Greek life allowed. That wasn't an interest of mine. Uh, but there are a lot of folks for whom that is an important factor and finding the right community. Uh, and there are people who, you know, being a, um, a sorority sister or a fraternity brother, that's a, a something for life. Mm -hmm. And it's that sort of stuff that I think makes college so valuable because it's it's about those lifelong relationships. And yes, it's networking and connections, great, that's important. But it's much more to me about the emotional and, and social connections that you make with people who share interests and share experiences. And, and yes, it is a little bit of a location. I understand your point about your best friend was not necessarily... Um, someone with whom you shared an interest, but I'm sure you have some interest in common, or oh, you sure. wouldn't still be friends. Sure, but that wasn't why we met. Right. So, uh, <clears throat> but one of the other, and, and I guess it's not, it takes social one step further. One of the other things that I like about the college experience and how valuable it is for students is, for the most part, you're probably not very close to home. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad are no longer right around the corner. Yeah. Uh, you're forced to advocate for yourself. If you've got a problem with a with a professor or you know there's a scheduling problem, you're the one who's got to take care of that. Mm -hmm. I, I know for a fact because I, I have relatives who are you know department heads at certain colleges. They get they still get phone calls long distance from mom and dad trying to fix it, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. And mom yeah. and dad, if you're listening, don't do that. Just, <laughs> just don't. The kids need this. This is the last chance for the kids to learn how to advocate for themselves. They're learning right. how to communicate. They're learning how to stand up for themselves and be confident and 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 present an argument um, for their own uh, best interests. And it, it'll help them get a job. It'll help them be confident in the world. Um, and it will give them something that if they you know if they can accomplish what they set out to do, it'll give them that taste of success for themselves. So they no longer have to have mom and dad make it happen. And one of the best things about doing this and having this experience and having this growth at college is that you can ask for help. If you go to the DMV and there's a problem and you ask, how do I fix it? They either don't know or won't tell you or aren't required to tell you. But if you're having a problem with your schedule, with the classes you've uh, in which you've enrolled and you go to the registrar's office and you say, this is a problem, how do I fix it? They're still educators. Even if they're not professors or teachers, the folks at the registrar, the folks at Student Life, the folks who run the cafeterias, they're still at an educational institution, and in many ways they still see themselves as educators. They're going to teach you how to work the system. Mm -hmm. They want to do that. That is part of their job. So here's a problem. I don't know how to fix it. How do I fix it? What questions do I ask? I've literally, when I was in undergrad or graduate school, asked, uh, what questions do I ask to fix this? And they've told me. And then I ask those questions, and then we fix it. 
it's a great opportunity for kids to sort of learn that sort of independence mm-hmm. for themselves and living at home uh, you know maybe financially you know the the, the best the only way that some kids can get to college but as you said if you can live on campus Mm -hmm. then these lessons sort of are part just organically part of the experience and if you can't live on campus right then still while you're on campus students i think need to try and and advocate for themselves as much as possible and especially if you're a family if you're a parent or a student uh who is Financially disadvantaged, I guess, is the best way to put it. Folks who cannot pay for college out of pocket, which is actually most of us. The big thing to remember is is that um, in some ways, it might be cheaper to live on campus. Because if you choose to live on campus and get a financial aid package, which covers room and board, all of those commuting and food expenses are included. Especially if they're, if you get grants and a combination of need-based and academic-based scholarships, that could be paid for, and it might actually be cheaper to live on campus than to try and commute. So I want you to think about that. I want you to look into that, because that may be true for a lot of families and you don't realize it. Living at home may not be the cheaper option because transportation and food expenses are actually going to cost more than you'd think. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to put that out there. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today, Christy? No, I'm glad we covered this one. Thank you. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Christy, for uh, being here. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about this episode, please hit us up on our Twitter account. It's at Livius Pod. If you leave a message there, leave a comment, we will try and respond to you as quickly as possible. And if we get enough really good questions and comments, we might do a whole bonus episode on that. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please hit the heart star, fave, thumb up button, whatever the podcast listening app of your choice lets you do to tell us that you like it. And of course, please share this episode. Hit that share sheet. Send it out to all your friends, family, colleagues, coworkers. Let them know what good stuff you're listening to. In fact, send it out to your enemies and rub it in their faces on how smart you are. And as always, please subscribe. That way you get the episodes downloaded to your phone or other podcast listening device as soon as we post them. Uh, We love having you here. We want to have you come to all of our future podcast episodes. And in the meantime, let's all keep learning.